the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. Welcome. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk at 100, now on 106.3 FM in East Portland and Vancouver, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860 The Answer, KPAM, La Patrona 1640, 93.1 El Rey, and 104.1 The Fish. And I'd love to talk to you about getting more people back into your church, sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and our church service live stream directory, expanding your ministry or business beyond your walls, establishing yourself as an authority in your field, and becoming more known through radio, building awareness of your company or outreach by hosting our events at your location at no risk to you, marketing your message or brand directly to your target audience through the latest and most powerful online tools of Salem Surround, and most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, a cup of coffee, or a connection to others, please email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. It sure was fun going to Mission Connection at Village Church in Beaverton this year and hanging out with the Georgine Rice Show live, and I made a new friend. Directly across from our booth was Executive Director Jeremy Waldridge of Pure Life Alliance. Make sure to check out the website purelifealliance.com, which I'll post on the Difference Makers page at truetalkat100.com. And Jeremy is coming up with a wonderful event that all parents need. It's called Addressing Tough Topics with Your Teens, and that'll be March 12th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Philida Bible Church, which is just north of Vancouver, Washington. So welcome, Jeremy Waldridge. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for coming out here today. Not a short drive for you. And tell us how you encountered the author of Honest Talk, John Fort, who will be speaking at your event. Absolutely. Uh, John Fort actually is a Beaverton native. He's been around this area for quite some time. He actually used to work for Pure Life Alliance, uh, but then he stepped into a different ministry, a more national ministry called Be Broken. And on Be Broken staff, he is the leader of training. So he gets to do a lot of trainings throughout the nation uh, regarding parenting sexuality, stuff like that. And one of the cool things he did and was super beneficial for me was he wrote a book called Honest Talk. And my son, who's 15 year old, 15 years old, went through Honest Talk, he and I together. And it was just a huge blessing for both of us to be able to understand how we can communicate with each other around tough areas like sexuality and maturing as a man. These are tough conversations, but they're absolutely vital for parents, for mentors to have with their kids. Is there a particular age that you think most people need to begin these conversations, Jeremy? Well, I would first say way earlier than they think that they should. Uh, author Julie Slattery wrote in her book, Rethinking Sexuality, that we need to start discipling our children around the areas of sex. And if we're not discipling them, then that means the world is discipling them. So think about when is your child being introduced to concepts of gender, 
they're actually getting that here in Oregon at kindergarten. So then we need to be having those conversations prior so that they understand God's design for sexuality before they get the world's narrative on what sexuality is. Well, that's for sure. So tell us the big picture. What exactly is Pure Life Alliance, Jeremy? Pure Life Alliance, their main focus is helping men who struggle with sex addiction or wrong sexual behavior, women who have been hurt by those behaviors. That's where we started. That's that's where we focus the majority of our energy. Uh, we do that by partnering with churches. We help them uh, have trainings. We have support groups for those men. We have support groups for those women. That's where we spend the majority of our energy. But last year, I realized I wanted to step into the area of stopping it before it starts. And so that's how we introduced Parents for Purity. And this is a way for us to kind of give back and help parents uh, kind of stop the cycle before it starts, help kids understand how to communicate emotions, which oftentimes lead to the behavior, um, and help parents be able to navigate those tough waters so that they can set their child up for success. There was an interesting article recently, Jeremy, that talked about a professor at a college, I believe on the East Coast, who thankfully just lost his job after saying, oh, is there really a big deal with people having sexual relations with children? Shouldn't it be the kid's choice? So thankfully, this college had enough wisdom to say, "Ah, yes, there is something wrong with that. So in a world where there is so much relativity and so much misinformation being granted out there, what can Pure Life Alliance do to steady the ship? Well, I think one of the biggest things we have a tendency to fall into is, and I think this applies in our life, I think it applies in our churches, is we have a tendency to want to accept things in order to make people feel accepted and, and instead of speaking up for truth. Uh, I think one of the, the best stories, I guess I shouldn't say best stories, there's all kinds of great stories in the Bible, but one that really sticks out to me is with Jesus and the woman at the well, where he was completely honest with her about her sin and yet fully caring for her. So he didn't, he didn't say this isn't wrong. This isn't bad. He said, no, this is what you did. Um, but then he still cared for her. And I think that's what Pure Life Alliance does through our men's program is we accept guys in and we help them understand and see where it is they're struggling, deal with the behaviors that they're not wanting to continue. Uh, but then we also accept them and, and let them, let them know that we care about them. We're with them. This is wrong. We're going to help you get past it. I think that's similar with our discussion with with kids and with parents is, is call truth truth uh, and then walk alongside them in that truth. So you're speaking truth, but you're doing it in love. Absolutely. I think about so many outreaches out there that perhaps began with good intentions, but they're just yelling at people mm. and pointing the fingers and they've got nothing invested in these people's lives. And I'm thinking to myself, how much response do you really expect to get when you're not showing anyone any compassion, love, or consideration when you're denigrating them and yelling at them and telling them that they're less worthy than you are? I mean, isn't that what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did in the Bible? Yeah, so I think what you're going to find is with situations like that, there is going to be success, and it's going to be really successful for a very short period of time because fear – can cause a reaction. So if I'm afraid, I'm going to step into that fear and make some ever changes. But it doesn't get to the heart issue. And that's where the compassion comes in. When we can be compassionate with someone, then they can start looking at themselves and begin looking at that inner um, heart issue that they're dealing with and go, okay, actually, this is what I'm really struggling with. Because most of the stuff that people are concerned with are behaviors which are very surface level. 
It's the heart issues that lead to those behaviors that we're wanting to tackle. And you can't get to that through fear. Mm, Well, that's for sure. It's like the medical people I get to interview. Rather than attacking the root cause, they're simply drugging over the symptoms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I I would say that's a lot of what um, other people in our industry do is they they focus more on the behavior. If we can just stop the behavior, and I I do want to stop the behavior, but I want to stop what's leading to that behavior more importantly. I want to get to the heart issue so that that person can have a, a life not just stopping behavior, but a life full in Christ. Not just surviving, but getting past an obstacle and thriving Mm -hmm. and using your life for good, not for evil, for for positivity, for spreading the truth, for being able to love on people and ideally share the love of Christ as a result. Absolutely, yep. So Jeremy Waldridge, as the executive director of Pure Life Alliance, can you tell us where do most of these people come from? Who's coming to Pure Life Alliance to get help and who's willing to receive it? Pure Life Alliance is intended for anybody. It's not based in one religion or one specific area. It's it's open to everybody. Uh, we have 23 different groups that meet in 19 different churches. We're not affiliated to one specific church. We are an entity of our own that helps support churches in this area. And so we have guys who come in from all walks of life with all varying different levels of purity issues that they're struggling with. And they're able to engage with other guys who understand where they've been and are able to help them. It's interesting, Jeremy, that you said they're able to fellowship with other guys going through the same issues. And as a result, they're able to lift each other up. It's like some of the many programs out there. And I hate to label anything as such, but there are methods and groups gathering together that are able to help people help each other, whether it's Celebrate Recovery or Alcoholics Anonymous or fill in the blank. But in the case of Pure Life Alliance, is there a bit of a stigma to what people struggle with that makes them slower to seek help than, say, someone who has a drinking issue? Absolutely. Uh, We talked a little bit earlier about John Fort. One of his quotes that he shared with me recently that I just love is he says, teaching someone to stop their unwanted sexual behavior is like asking an alcoholic to drink responsibly. I mean, think about that. You, know, you have an alcoholic who's trying to stop and then you're telling them, go ahead and drink responsibly. Well, why is that? Well, that's because we were not made for drinking, but we were made for sexuality. God made us sexual beings. So to say, stop this thing that you have now distorted and completely turn from that and never do that again. Well, that's not possible, especially if you're married, right? You can't stop your sexuality if you're married. So we're having to help these guys at a really deep level to recognize, okay, how do I change my direction from uh, using this this gift that God has gave us in our sexuality in a healthy and restorative way with our spouse? And that's a, that's a hard thing to do. I'm so glad that you brought that up, Jeremy, because there is a school of thought that the modern mainstream church so avoids the issue of sexuality that it is a detriment and it is seen as something bad. Whereas God made Adam and Eve, Mm -hmm. God made sex to be an awesome, wonderful thing. And I don't know if we hear that quite enough from the pulpit of the average American church as much as don't do this and don't do that. So for many people growing up in the church, there's a bizarre awkwardness on – 
a honeymoon night, for instance, all of a sudden you've said this was bad all my life, but now that I've walked this aisle and I've gotten this marriage license, now it's good. And it's kind of tough to navigate that through your mind at times. So what do you think that we as the church need to be doing more? What can we do better? Yeah. So first off, I think churches in themselves need to understand what was God's design for sexuality? What is the purpose of sexuality? If we don't understand that, then we can't disciple that. So I would say that's first and foremost. I highly, highly recommend every pastor read Julie Slattery's Rethinking Sexuality. I think it is an amazing book and it will um, change your perspective on what we as the church need to be doing to disciple our congregants, our uh, whoever we're in contact with around areas of sexuality. So that's first is we need to understand what God's design is. Uh, I used to coach gymnastics for a lot of years. And one of the things I realized as I was coaching was I can tell a child to point their toes a hundred million times and they don't care. I mean, sure, they'll get a better score if their toes are pointed. But if I talk to them about how much power they can get in their jump when they push through their toes or how much less likely they are to twist their ankle when their toes are pointed, well, then they've got a reason. They can understand the purpose behind the pointed toes. It's not just because coach said so, but it's because this will actually protect me or make me stronger, make my performance better. And that's the same thing with our sexuality. We need to step in and understand why is it we are doing what we're doing, not just because we were told not to do it or told to do it, but, but the reasons behind the why. So, Jeremy, as the executive director of Pure Life Alliance, you're hosting this event March 12th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Philida Bible Church, just north of Vancouver, Washington. And it's called Addressing Tough Topics with Your Teens. Why did you put this together and who needs to come? Yeah, if you are a parent or you are a youth pastor or someone who works with kids, teenage kids, I highly recommend coming to this event. And here's why. Uh, I think our adults have a disconnect with understanding what it is our kids are learning and hearing from their peers and even from the school districts. Um what is being taught to them is completely opposite. And I don't think we realize that. We have kind of subjugated our our teaching and our discipleship to the schools and to the society rather than taking it on ourselves. So what, what will you learn at this event? You're going to learn, first off, what is the world talking? What is the current world narrative about gender, about the LGBTQ plus narrative around – um, what is it around biblical sexuality? You're going to understand kind of the history and, and whatnot behind it. And then we're going to talk with not how do we talk at our kids? How do we tell our kids what to do? We're going to talk with how do we partner with our kids to help them navigate these areas? Rather than telling them what they should do, we're going to talk to them about what do they think they should do and how can we work with that? Jeremy, is this an expensive event to attend? Not at all. It's only $15 if they register before February 19th. And $20 after that. And lunch is included. Oh, get out of here. So lunch included, 20 bucks at its full price. And if you register online at Pure Life Alliance by Saturday, February 19th, it's only 15 bucks. That's it. That's great. So is this simply a presentation or is there any interaction? No, what we've found is we've done uh, different studies is, is parents really want to hear from other parents. And so there'll be time throughout the event where parents will be at a table with other parents and being able to kind of practice some of the stuff that they're learning, be able to ask other parents how they're doing. Great insights from Jeremy Waldridge, who serves as the executive director for Pure Life Alliance. You can find out more specifics at the website, purelifealliance.com. That's purelifealliance.com, which I'll leave linked up to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. 
And mark down on your calendar March 12th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Palida Bible Church that's north of Vancouver, Washington. The event is Addressing Tough Topics with Your Teens. More about Jeremy Waldridge and the ministry next on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. Mike Lee here with the Executive Director of Pure Life Alliance, which has hosted an event you need to join on March 12th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Philida Bible Church, just north of Vancouver, Washington. It's called Addressing Tough Topics with Your Teens. So, Jeremy, do you have any teens of your own? Yeah, so I am married. I've been married for 22 years this year. Congratulations. I have a thank you, thank you. I have a 15 year old son, and he is an amazing, intelligent boy. He is a sophomore in high school and smarter than I ever was at his age. That's wonderful. I could tell what a proud dad you are. So tell us about growing up and where you met your wife. Where did it all start for you, Jeremy Waldridge? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in a small town, Yuma, Arizona, five minutes from Mexico, five minutes from California. Um, spent most of my life there, uh, just in the summer heat, uh, come up here and recognize four seasons. We didn't have four seasons down in Arizona. We only had two. And so that's where I grew up. But I went to a Christian college called Wayland Baptist University that was in Plainview, Texas. And that's where I met my wife. We, uh, interestingly enough, uh, just kind of met her a couple times. And we went on a mission trip together, and that's where I kind of got to know her. Uh, we chatted. Then I ended up moving home, and, and we had a long-distance relationship for about two, three years. And, and then we got married. And in relative to my story or to Pure Life Alliance, you know, I went into that marriage with with a lack of knowledge around what healthy sexuality is with a spouse. It took us a lot of years to really build that up and into the relationship, the amazing relationship that we have right now. Interesting. Did you find that your distance in your dating or courtship helped you or hurt you? You mentioned a long distance relationship for a couple of years. Yeah. Well, for me, I would say it hurt me and helped me in, in one sense. Uh, it in the same sense, I would say, because I was stuck in a, a cycle of addiction through sexuality. I was looking at pornography uh, quite a bit uh, when I was first introduced to my wife and even on. And so having that – and my wife, she's an amazing woman. She is what I would call a – she'd probably hurt me for saying this, but she is a, a goody-two-shoe Christian. She grew up um, and is just – she has such a passion for God. And so being around her it was just uplifting for me. Being separated from her, well, now I could craft a, a level of duality that a lot of guys who go through our program deal with, where they can act one way around themselves or by themselves or away from the church and then act another way with their spouse or with church. And so being long-distance relationship with my wife actually was super detrimental for me because it was very easy to craft that duality. And I think that we're all one bad choice, one bad decision mm-hmm. from – trashing everything as God has given us. Absolutely. All right, so there but by the grace of God go I. And I think anyone who's listening with judgmental ears needs to look at perhaps the plank in their own eye versus the splinter in somebody else's. And it's so easy for us to do that, especially when we think of the different issues and temptations that we face. Somehow, do you believe that the church may be unintentionally ranks sin? I think that humanity uh, unintentionally ranks sin, and I think we do it in a way to protect ourselves. So um, 
it, we have a tendency to look at our brother with the uh, at least I don't do that narrative. And that's what allows us to rank those sins. We, we, we want to constantly make sure we're on the right path. And so we easily put others in the path lower than us. And I, I think that's where it comes from. I, I wouldn't blame the church because the church is made up of people. I, I would blame humanity as a whole as a sin. Somehow it's easier for us to look at other people and see them as lower than we are to maybe make ourselves feel better about ourselves without having to improve or without having to get past stumbling blocks that we're struggling with. Yeah, I think that's very, very much the case. I think if we were to just take a look through multiple stories throughout the Bible, you're going to see similar similar storylines of guys who struggle with sexuality or uh, humility or just all kinds of things. Uh, and and so that's what I kind of push back through is I say, when I look at my, my brother, I want to look at somebody who is Imago Dei, made in the image of God. This is a gentleman or a woman who God designed for a certain purpose. And for whatever reason, they're stuck or they're caught in, in a cycle that is not uh, allowing them to live or thrive the way that God designed it. That's kind of what we're for with Pure Life Alliance is how do we, how do we bring them back into that recognition of the identity God created them for? Do you think it's easier than ever now with social media and the internet to isolate ourselves to an unhealthy degree where we aren't accountable to anyone else, that we're kind of shelled up in our own little room? Well, it's funny you say that. I, I think that, I think that sin, came into this world with the concept of I am the center of the universe and social media and the internet and all the entertainment at our fingertips has made it feel more true today than it's ever felt before because I can get whatever I want with a few clicks of a keyboard and view whatever I want, watch whatever I want, get the news that I think I want um, without actually having to interact with people. I would say you know, a lot of different conversations around COVID, but what I would say COVID has done for this ministry here as a whole is it has created a level of isolation like never before. And sin, sexual sin, thrives in isolation. And yet still, God is good, despite the circumstances that we're living in right now, despite the temptations that are placed before us, that sometimes we succeed in resisting and at other times we fail miserably with. Yeah, I would say that that God's narrative reigns through no matter what we're talking about. I think that we're recognizing the pain and the hurt that comes from isolation now. And I think that people are going to be reaching out more for help in, in all different kinds of addictions, whether it's alcohol or sexual addiction or reaching out to churches because they recognize that that level of isolation um, is not healthy. And I think that's God working so don't settle for the false narratives that are being put out there, even if perhaps they're more convenient, because it certainly worked out well for you, Jeremy Waldridge, Executive Director of Pure Life Alliance, which reminds me of another Jeremy. He's a pastor at Goodroots Church. Jeremy Schumacher is his name, and he gave me the best bit of relationship advice that I think I've ever heard, because it's simplified. He was raised in a fatherless household, but men in his church unofficially helped him they would take him fishing or mm. camping and they'd speak into his life and something that he received was to run hard after god with all you've got and then look to your left or look to your right and see who else is running alongside you and as a result he found his wife and they're happily married 
kids, they had a lot in common, but maybe a couple of years off. So they didn't go to the same church, school, or camp at the same time. But they're great together. So for listeners out there who might be single and longing for a relationship, don't settle for anything less than God's best for you. So in your case, Jeremy Waldridge, you met your wife on a missions trip. Yeah. So at this point, you were both, what, college age or so? Yeah, she was a freshman. I was a sophomore in college. So we went down to New Orleans to help uh, build up a church, build up a community center, spent a week down there just rebuilding, uh, doing some camps for the local children there. And we just had a really good time. Quite frankly, it was uh, it was an eye-opening time for me because I was uh, still struggling with a lot of the stuff I struggled with. And so to being able to just kind of chat with her and get to know her was was pretty spectacular. And then we just built that relationship over the rest of that year. That was, you know, spring break. And so it was, you know, by the end of the year, we had built up a, a pretty good relationship. And she would say that uh, I always ask her, you know, why did you choose me? And and I was waiting for, you know, you're handsome, you're funny. No, she just said, you're persistent. So, uh, you know, at least I stayed in there enough to to get the most amazing woman. So were you romantically interested the moment you laid eyes on her on this missions trip? Or was she just someone that you bumped into that you became friends with and gradually that grew to a different level? Yeah, I would say gradually it grew to a different level. I was a flirt, so I flirted with everybody. That's just kind of what I did. And it was just this level of shallowness. Um, and so when I when I talked with her, it wasn't shallow. Uh, she had a good uh, – she had the ability to pull thoughts out of me that I didn't even know I had. She just she had asked good questions and and she wasn't shallow. So, so that stood out absolutely. Someone who wasn't frivolous. Yep. Good to know, Jeremy Waldridge. So, if you had any advice for our listeners that might be looking right now, whether it's in person or in some instances online, and I've seen wonderful things happen online as well as some messed up things, I must admit. Yeah. But I don't think the platform of how you find people is evil in and of itself. It's how we choose to look. Yeah. So if you're looking for a significant other and you're you're kind of diving into that, first I would say make sure that you know yourself, which is always the hard thing. As far as platform, I don't have a problem with any platform, but I do say that God is a relational God. And so um, – I think God designed us to be in relationship with each other. I, I think that is truly how we've been built. And so um, I would lean more towards in person, at least before marriage. I think that being able to have some real interaction and, and see each other face to face and and have that in person interaction, I think is important. Now, how you meet is how you meet. And I think God works through so many different areas. I would agree with you on that, Jeremy. I would definitely agree with you on that. And plus, God's got a pretty good sense of humor at times. <laughs> Absolutely. When it comes to how we end up meeting people. Do you think that there are unrealistic expectations that are put on people who are trying to find someone to say date online? It's almost like a job interview process in some cases. So I've had some friends complain that, oh, well, I was – out looking and i found someone we got along well we bantered back and forth and then she wouldn't meet me and cut it off before we ever got together and now i'm crushed and i think to myself well is there a possibility that maybe you're sharing too much too early and that you ought to get together for coffee in public safely first rather than say oh here's my consumer report style checklist i want a b c d and e and no i'm not looking for a perfect 10 
when it comes to appearance. So I'm not a bad person. It must be them. So do you have any advice for this age when it comes to how to meet people and do it responsibly and well? I would have to completely disagree with your narrative, Mike, because if you watch any and every movie, you're going to notice that people have chemistry at first sight or first talk. That's how it works, right? That's, That's every Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movie. Right? Exactly. So, so of course, if I don't have an immediate connection with someone, there must be something wrong with them. Or, unfortunately, what tends to happen is we feel there must be something wrong with us. And if I had some advice, I would say, go out there, get to know someone, have a good time doing things that you both enjoy together, and then let God do the rest. So simple and yet so complicated for us to do. Thank God we're married, Jeremy. I I don't (laughs) miss that time. Now, I do miss having more money and more hair and being healthier and things like that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Okay. But man, I hated that uncertainty era. Yeah, you know, trying to navigate this conversation with a 15-year-old son who's just stepping into that. You know, Dad, what what do I say to a girl? Um, yeah, it's it's a very complicated and messy, messy thing. So, yes, I, I am with you. I, I appreciate being married and being able to uh, go home to a woman I love. Addressing tough topics with your teens is the upcoming event, March 12th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Philida Bible Church, just north of Vancouver, Washington, Jeremy, how much did this event cost and what comes with it? Yeah, so this event is only $15 if they register before February 19th and then $20 after that. And with that, they get four hours of intense training, work with other parents, and lunch is included in that. PureLifeAlliance.com has all the details. And when we return, how do we talk to our kids with Executive Director of Pure Life Alliance, Jeremy Waldridge on Difference Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers, Mike Lee here, and at Mission Connection, I got to hang out with a gentleman with the booth across where we broadcast the Georgine Rice Show. His name is Jeremy Waldridge, not only the executive director of Pure Life Alliance, which is hosting this March 12th event called Addressing Tough Topics with Your Teens, but he's also the father of a teen himself, in this case, a 15-year-old son. So, Jeremy, by all means, boast on your son. Yeah, so my son is 15 years old. He is a genius when it comes to math and science, so much so that um, I go to him for questions. I was working on my website probably about, I don't know, a month ago, and I had a button that just was not doing what it was doing. And since he worked from home at the time, I gave him a call and said, hey, can you help me? So he hopped on Zoom with me, and we looked at the HTML code, and he, in two seconds, kind of figured it out. And, oh, yeah, Dad, just move this to here and this to here, and the button worked amazing. So, you know, Dad being both proud and feeling like, okay, what do I have to give such an intelligent boy, you know? I love it. So are there any experience that you had growing up as a boy that you felt compelled to share with your son as a result? Yeah, so my son's an only child. I was the youngest of three boys, And so uh, I think one of the things I really try to share with my son, something I think is super important is character and honesty. And so working through how do we, how do we be honest even when it's hard? Like I need to share something that um, I know that's going to get me in trouble or I know dad's going to be disappointed with me. How do I share that in a way that is 
um, how, how can I be honest about that? And so the conversations we have are really about, you know, okay, here's a space that we're going to have where it's completely open. No matter what you say, it's not about punishment. Now, there may be some natural consequences that happen because natural consequences happen, but there's no, it's a no shame zone between me and my son. And that allows him to, and I to have a really good conversation. I love it. It sounds like you're pretty tight with your son, aren't you? I love it. Yeah. He and I get along real well. Okay. So let's backtrack just a little bit, Jeremy. Where did you grow up in the first place? And tell us about your family life. Yeah. So I grew up in Yuma, Arizona. I have two older brothers and one of them is six years older than I am. The other one is eight years older than I am. I grew up in a Christian home um, and uh You know, I had a pretty good childhood for the most part. Uh, My brothers being so much older than I was, they they kind of experienced uh, a shift because my parents became Christians after they were older. I was still pretty young. And so there was some real negativity towards the church from both my brothers. And so I got to watch them really rebel. Uh, One got into drugs and and whatnot. Um, And so I I felt like I had to be the good child. And so that's what I grew up really focused on. Now, the the negative side of that is that put me into a bent of needing to always please others because that's what I felt like I had to do growing up. Um, But, you know, my my parents, both of them were very supportive. My mom passed away a couple years ago. uh, So it's just my dad now. And uh, he's just an amazing guy. He was in the military for 20 years in the Marine Corps. So. Well, Semper Fine, God bless your dad, and thanks to him, as well as your entire family, for the sacrifices and the service that you've provided so that our country could be safer. I don't think that gets said quite enough nowadays, unfortunately. So it's funny how your older two brothers were raised in a non-church household, and all of a sudden, your parents found Jesus. So it was different for young Jeremy Waldridge. So when did you own your own faith fully, Jeremy? It's a great question. I would say a couple years into college. What I recognized is I was a pretty goody-two-shoe Christian growing up, did kind of what the church always wanted me to do, was always obedient to my parents, kind of did exactly what I was supposed to do, led in my youth group, all that kind of stuff. And I I grew up, you know, in the theater was kind of my background. I, I enjoyed doing shows and stuff. And I went off to Wayland Baptist University, which is the Bible Belt. And when I got there, I realized I was not considered goody two shoe with my lifestyle. Um, things like I had a piercing. How dare you have a piercing at that age? Um, and so for, for me, I go to this Christian college to find out I'm not Christian enough. And so at that time, I really fell away from the church. I, I started hanging out with people. It was very interesting. I always say that I felt the most accepted at my Christian college amongst drug addicts and drunkards, right? Because they accepted me for who I am. And even when they asked me if I wanted a drink, and I said no, they're like, oh yeah, no problem. You don't have to do this to be in our friendship. And I didn't feel that from the church crowd. I had to conform to what they wanted to be friends, where I didn't in the in the secular world. So, so that went on for a while. And then I went uh, one Easter, I guess the night before the weekend of Easter, I got really drunk. And I... Uh, was going home with a couple of girls who were, you know, her dad was a pastor and they invited me to come have Easter service with them. And it was, you know, about four hour drive. So they picked me up and I was toasted and they, they, they're like, here, go, go ahead and get on in. I'm like, well, I, I can't go with you. I'm toasted. I'm not ready. And they're like, that's eh, a four hour drive. You'll sober up. And so I went there and, um, 
her dad owned a lot of property. He did Cowboy Church, which if you don't know what Cowboy Church is, it's basically wake up way much earlier than I think God wakes up sometimes <laughs> in order to do a service. Um, so we got up really early Sunday morning and um, went to service. And then we had some time and I walked around his property and God just really spoke to me in that moment and said, you know, you're not, you're not really doing what I called you to do. And so at that time afterwards, I went back to school and – and it's interesting, the people who are really close friends, I would still say they were they were close friends. They were willing to do whatever they, they could to help me, but they just started to fall away. Not not out of negativeness, just they got busy doing other stuff, and we just grew apart. And I began building a relationship with people who God put in my path uh, to help me get to where I am today. Your story is so hauntingly familiar to me personally, and I believe toward a lot of kids raised in the church and in the youth group culture, unfortunately. And yet, when you talked to God, when you spent time away from everything and everyone else, even these accepting drug culture atheist kids that you'd befriended at college, somehow you were able to grow in your walk with God by turning from that which you deep down inside knew wasn't helping you in your walk. Yeah, yeah, I'll never forget the drive home from that trip because uh, I was obviously sober. I'd had an experience with God, and we were listening to Christian music. And, and I mean, Petra and Michael W. Smith and all those guys, and I'm kind of singing along. And and the girl who was with me just looked at me and said, I would never have thought that you would even know these songs. And right there it hit me that my life had kind of gone off the rails, that I had uh, become something that I didn't realize that I that I had become. Um, so it, it just that that's really stuck with me as okay. I need to make sure that I'm living the life that God has for me in such a way that other people can recognize it. Not because I'm trying to prove myself, but because that's what God calls us to do: is to be a witness. Jeremy Walters, the executive director of Pure Life Alliance. Are there things that you share with your teenage son now to give him a warning? Say. This is what I did. This is what got me off track when I chose to fill in the blank. So avoid this. What do you tell him when it comes to wanting to prevent him from going through some of the pains that you put yourself through? And at the same time, how do you direct him toward things that are beautiful and pure and worthy of praise? Yeah, I think one of the things we'll be talking about at this event is really diving into the area of feelings. I think that we do not let our kids express their feelings the way that they need to. And so then that's where they get into those areas that numb those feelings or hide those feelings because they haven't been able to express them. So talking with my son, like, you know, how was your day today? Oh, man, that must have sucked. What, what, what did that mean? How, how did you work through that? Oh, man, I'm sorry that that happened. Really just allowing him to express things that he's dealing with and then sharing what I'm proud of him. You know, when he does something that is encouraging or that's just awesome, you know, we talk about that. I think we oftentimes as parents, at least I have, and I do still, I struggle with this, is we we want our kids to be an expression of our own identity. And so when they do something that may be wrong, maybe a poor choice, it immediately we feel, oh, well, that reflects on us. Shame on them for reflecting poorly on us. That has nothing to do with their character and their growth. So that's that's our issue. And so we need to step back from that and allow God to work in his life uh, through his mistakes or um, through his successes. And we need to champion that and walk alongside them in that. 
It's interesting that you brought up Petra and Michael W. Smith. There's another artist in that era. He's wonderful. Steve Green in his name. And he came out with an album and also a song titled The Letter. And the premise of the song, at least in my perception, was our children are our letter to the world. Mm -hmm. So is that letter reflecting the good hope of Christ or is our letter not doing so? So I hope and pray that you're able to do so with your son. And do you have any advice for those of us who might be parents of teenagers who try to have these conversations and try to allow our kids to express their feelings and we get one word answers? Yeah. Well, I think, I think the first thing is to recognize that a lot of those one word answers are fear, fear of what your response as a parent is going to be. And that may be, um, warranted fear because of a reaction that maybe they had to something that they did poorly or it may be unwarranted maybe they they are only afraid because of the shame that's attached to whatever they might be willing to share uh the culture tells them our schools tell them that you as parents do not understand what they're going through one of the conversations i had with my son pretty early on um as we were talking about different body parts and sexuality as a whole is i said you know here's the deal son you have a couple places you can get your information from. One is your friends and the other is me. And who do you think has more experience in this? So don't be afraid to ask me any question and I'll share it with you. And then that's the hard thing because when they come with those questions, you have to be willing to answer them. You can't say, well, you're not quite old enough for that yet. Um, because in reality, oftentimes we try to protect our children and by protecting them, we're shielding them from information. Well, they're going to get that information from somewhere. And so I would say be willing to open conversation about things. And I'm sure for some parents, this comes a lot more comfortably than it does for me personally. But I think if I'm hearing you correctly, Jeremy, that we need to err on the side of being a little too sharing rather than being not transparent enough. Is that correct? Absolutely. And I would say prayerfully. Because God will lead your conversation. But I think too often we go, I don't want to share this with my child because I don't want to, um, they're too pure for this information. I don't want to taint them. And in reality, they're hearing it at school. They're hearing it from their teachers. And so now you're allowing the world to disciple your child instead of you discipling your child in those areas. Okay, so I'm Joe or Jane, 10 to 25-year-old listening to this program right here, right now, Jeremy Waldrich of Pure Life Alliance. What are some of the top lies that are being perpetuated? For instance, I had this discussion with a loved one earlier on. A couple of my kids used to be competitive swimmers. And God bless this swimmer competing for University of Penn on the women's team after spending three years on the men's team. And Leah is shattering all women's records. Leah was originally born as a male and having this conversation with my loved one this person admitted yeah i kind of do have a problem with that but i find it interesting that in the mainstream media there was a narrative where it's very quickly repeated if someone supports this transgender collegiate swimmer but opposing viewpoints seem to be pushed off to the sidebar or negated or saying, oh, there are a handful of unnamed teammates saying that they're against this. So how do you give teenagers a reliable resource of what really is true? Because there are just so many stories out there, Jeremy. 
Well, I think you're running into, and, and John will talk a little bit about this at our event, but I think you're running into the concept of different languages. So teenagers now are really focused on what feels right. And we're going, what is fact? And fact and feelings don't communicate well together. Uh, so it's it's understanding how to communicate in their language. You started with asking me what is some of the major lies. I, I would say these are um, overarching lies for for our ministry as a whole, but even our church. And the first one is our bodies are not our own. So we we grasp onto this that I'm in charge of making myself happy. I'm in charge of you know this you know I need to change my gender so that I can feel like my own, or I need to. Um, uh, cohabitate in order to be because I'm in love, whatever it is, our bodies aren't our own. And so when we recognize that our bodies are not our own, well, then we start living as if our bodies are not our own and we respect our bodies and we respect our partner's bodies and we respect our children's bodies. And, and there's just a level of respect that goes along with not believing that lie. And I think the second lie that we fall into is that we believe sexual intimacy, whether that's through um, you know marital sex, extramarital sex, stuff like that, can happen apart from emotional and spiritual intimacy. That is the narrative that the hookup culture brings. When we choose to step into this, I need to fulfill my own needs, and sexual intimacy can happen outside of God's design, outside of emotional intimacy, and outside of spiritual intimacy, we're missing what God had for us. And so if I can talk to those 25 year olds that you're you're mentioning, I would say to you, recognize the real design around sexuality and what God had planned for it so that you can have real intimacy apart from, you know, what our world says intimacy is. Great words of wisdom from Jeremy Waldridge, executive director of Pure Life Alliance with more details on their event, addressing tough topics with your teens at the website purelifealliance.com. It'll be held at Philida Baptist Church just north of Vancouver, Washington on March 12th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Do I have to bring a lunch or something? No, lunch is provided. That's part of the cost. Uh, the cost is $15 if you register by Saturday the 19th of February or $20 after Saturday the 19th. Jeremy, thanks so much for sharing with us today. And is there anyone you want to say hi to or send a shout out to? Yeah, I'd love to say hi to my wife. She's amazing. I love you, honey. Her name's Brianna, and she is the, sorry for all the other women out there, but she is the best woman in the world. And hi to my local church, Table Community Church. PureLifeAlliance.com is the website with all the details. So thank you so much, Jeremy Waldridge. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.